The reading this morning is from uh, 1 John um, 3 and the verses 1 to 10. Now that can be found on uh, 1229, page 129. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will know he is not yet made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know then, he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does, what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Good to be with you all. Uh, Good to see you this this morning, and if you're here for the first time, a warm welcome to you if I didn't uh, grab you at the front door, and it's great to be uh, with you, and I look forward to having a cup of tea, coffee after the service as well. Let me pray, and then we'll get into our uh, talk for today. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we can come together as your people and hear from you as we do each week. The privilege is profound and as we today consider the heart of all our relationships, our relationship with your son, we ask that your spirit will transform our hearts and minds to live for him. Amen. Uh, you notice in the book that I didn't put an outline uh, for this talk, uh, the points come up will come up on the slides uh, numbered one to four as we go um, and so yeah, we we left this talk as a bit of a... Uh, one to see where we were going to take the series. And I thought way we'd finish the series before Christmas as we've covered so much ground over the last few weeks. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on relationships, how God wants us to think about relationships. And it's been a real great time, but a challenging time because we haven't held back. We've thought through, uh, hopefully thoughtfully in God's word about how he wants us to view our relationships with each other. As we finish a series like that, we want to actually stop, pause and reflect on the most important relationship. I know what what important relationships you have in uh, your life. I continued one of my most important relationships with my life with Luke Skywalker on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, Wednesday night, whatever you call it. And and it was good to see an, an old friend again. But that's not really a relationship. 
What is, what is the most important relationships in your life? You've got lots of them, haven't you? But there's one that, if you're wondering uh, what Christians think, it's the relationship every individual has with Jesus. Jesus and me. What is the nature of that relationship? What does it look like? See, Christianity is about a relationship with God. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I really want us to see how we can foster a relationship with Him. How we can consider a relationship with Him. So wherever you're at with God, whether you're a follower of Jesus, today's talk is what I'm hoping is, ah, oh, this is, this is the me. This is, this is why I have a relationship with God. It renews your mind, encourages you, and convicts you again to follow what you believe. But if you're not sure where you are with God, or you know that you're not a follower of His, uh, my, my hope and prayer today is that it gives you a good opportunity to consider Jesus and how you relate to Him. Because actually, all of us have a relationship with Him or not, uh, whether we think it or not. So, the most important relationship, us and Jesus. So, secondly, what are we going to think about? We're going to think about what's the foundation to this relationship? How would you answer that question in your head? What's the foundation to a relationship with Jesus? It could be performance. You could have a scale and you're right, and it could be the relationship I have with Jesus and how he sees me is based on my performance. How I go, you know, your KPIs, your key indicators for your performance, what are they, how do they work out? You may have all very different scales of what they are, but they could be whatever you think, this is what I've done for God. You think about life, we live so much that way. From the time we're at school and we have to perform, because you don't just get to cruise through school, you've got to perform to get marks and you compete against others. You think about your friendship groups over the years, has there ever been any performance in those friendship groups? Yes, no? Of course there has, right? It's the struggle we have. We try and not make our friendships about performance, but yet sometimes we really do feel like that's the way they are. We talked back in our relationship series when we, had the, um, when we did the, uh, the, the one, on, one on sex and we talked about outside of marriage, that really changes the dynamics of sex. It becomes about performance because if it's not working out and it's not great, you move on, which we saw is how the world thinks. We often relate to performance in our relationships. Think about sport. You don't get to stay in a team in high-level sport if you're not performing. My relationship to uh, the Australian cricket players is not based on their personality. It's based on their performance. And if they're rubbish, I want them out. That's why it's killing me that Mitchell Marsh made made so many runs because I didn't think he was that good. So, but we'll move on. Our performance levels may be based on goodness. It may be based on, I'm a good person. You can determine what that is for you right now. I'm not getting into that because the, what we determine is good is very um, subjective uh, in our world. It could be your kindness. It could be your, um, the way that you uh, deal with uh, your friends. Or it could just be your performance in that you rock up to church. It could be that you, that you give to church, your, your attendance, that you, you, you love people. A certain amount of people, not everyone, but come on. Just, but you love quite a lot of people. That's an option. Or the foundation to our relationships is not based on performance. Even more than that, 
It's not based on us when it comes to God. It's a key thought. See, it is based on the love of God. The love of God is the foundation to our relationship with Jesus. And as we've seen over this series, and as we kind of see through the passages look at today, it's the love of God that shapes our relationships as we seek to love like him. I think there's no uh, beautiful, more beautiful example of that than 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I basically got, had that reading today because of verse 1. Have a look at there, the first three verses on the screen. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We are children of God and so we're waiting for him and his appearance and we want to be more like him, purify, which we talked about last week. Have a look more specifically at verse 1. Let's just hone in on that verse as we see on the next slide just even more clearly. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. God's love is big. That's an, that's, I can't make an any, any greater understatement than that in any talk that I give than saying God's love is big. It is far bigger than we can possibly comprehend if we spent every moment of our waking lives considering it. And he has not just got big love, he takes that big love that we can't actually fully grab hold of and he lavishes it on us. I just love that word. Lavishes on it. He throws it on us. He gives it to us. He pours it onto us. It's his great love given to us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And what is that love? It is that we are his children as followers of Jesus, that we should be called children of God. And John, who's writing the letter, he's like, I don't want you to miss that point, like it's just, oh yeah, children of God, yeah, whatever. That is what we are. It's kind of how it's written. That's why there's an exclamation point there. That is what we are. A follower of Jesus, God sees you as his beloved child, which he does not hold back his love from. That is the foundation of our relationship with him, if you were ever wondering. How does that relate to performance? It doesn't, does it? See how different it is to if we've ever spent time or maybe if you sometimes still do it when you think, God, you'll be happy with me and I'll earn your favour and your love because I've done this when, well, he's lavished his love onto us and we're going to see that even further. So we start with love. We start with love. What we need to then think about is how is God's love expressed? How does he express this great lavishing? What does it look like? Well, this whole series, we've been thinking about 
how we relate to each other with that little acronym that I love, OPC. Hopefully, you're sick of me talking about it by now. That was the goal, that you're sick of me saying relationships about being other person-centred. If you're here for the, uh, the first time, what we've been talking about is we've seen what God's like, we've seen how he relates to us, which we'll see today, and we'll see that all of relationships are to be thought about as God is other person-centred. It's revolutionary to the world. It's totally different to the me-centred, me-person-centred world that we live in. But it's really hard for us to get our heads around. Have uh, many of you seen the movie Wonder yet? A few of us have seen it. I know young adults uh, went on uh, on Thursday. I think you should go see it. Now, I don't usually recommend people going to see a movie um, because I think it's got some value. But this is a movie I would say Hollywood hasn't ruined. And it's an amazing movie about... I, I got lots of dust in my eyes. That's that way. <laughs> so dusty in the cinema. I just really fogged up. It was shocking. Um, and everyone else did too. It was amazing. So it's an amazing story of a boy who has significant uh, issues and, and that's meant he's got significant facial deformities. He's had surgery after surgery after surgery. And it's about, at its core, this family seeking to deal with that. It's a secular movie. It's not, it's not a Christian movie. But what this family does is they're trying to live for the other person. And all of his struggles and battles meant that there's so much sacrifice that they have to give to each other and for him. And, and it looks at it from the different perspectives of all the family members and it's really profound. And we see how hard it is to be about the other person when you're being so left behind. And his sister, oh, I thought the sister bit was amazing. If you go and watch it, I don't want to give it away, but she was really struggling because she loved her brother dearly but because he needed so much uh, love, care and affection, her world got left behind. But she still wanted to be about him and be other person-centered. And it was a beautiful expression of other person-centeredness. How is that just a little glimpse and reflection of true other, other person-centeredness in God? Well, I want us to just go back and see three things about it. How is love expressed in the other person-centered way? First of all, God chose to love us first. It all starts with Him. 1 John is a great book because it really highlights how we have a relationship with God and the completeness of that and the joy and how He loves us and so we love. And in 1 John chapter 4, after 3, we get this great explanation of love. And we see it there. In verse 19, so simple, it's a few words, but it just so concisely says, we love because he first loved us. Don't think for a moment that God's going, oh, you know what, Jack's a really good, gee, he's loved me, I'm going to love him as well. Like, he's done so good. You know what? He's going to be a minister. He's training to be a minister. He's decided to, to give up any other work pursuits. He's going to Bible college. Gee, he's loved me so much. I think I'm going to love him. That's not how it works. He, before the creation of the world, chooses to love. And he loves us first. We love. That's important for later. We love 
because he first loved us. It starts with God. We started um, the first week, if you remember, on what it is to be human. I don't know if you remember that. What it is to be human, and it was a series where we wrestled with identity, particularly with everything that's been going on in our, in our, in our world, and even the whole uh, gender debates and all those kind of things, and we worked out where our identity is. Where is our self-worth? Is it found in our jobs, in our looks, in our friends, in success, in money, in relationships and being able to express the freedom to have any type of relationship I want because that's the way I feel? Our self-worth, we're made in the image of God and then God first loves us. It's deeply profound. And when we forget that, we get ourselves into all sorts of knots with God. Because we start to try and think, I'll love, so he'll love me. And God does not want us to think that way. Mainly because of the second point you see on the screen. He loved us when we hated him. We can't actually love first. That's the problem, right? We can't actually choose to love God first. It's amazing that he did because since the fall, since... The first humans rejected God's ways. We're starting, our starting point is in rebellion to God. See, when, when my kids were born, the starting point was, well, now this is something that I'm going to love for the rest of my life. It just kind of happened, right? It's just the way it happened. When, when, uh, we start our when we are born, in relationship to God, we don't start with, I'm giving my whole life to you, I'm trusting in you, and it, we start in rebellion. We're tainted from birth. He loved us when we hated him. Have a look at 1 John 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The absence of love from our side. So that not that we loved God. Now what you could do, and one time, I did have someone do this to me, actually. What you could do is you could say, sure, we didn't love God, but that's outrageous and disgraceful you to say that we hated him. I don't hate God. That's, that's taking it too far. You can't say that. But actually, our position with God, whether we express it that way or not, is of being his enemy. And the Apostle Paul made that very clear in, uh, in uh, Romans 5 verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through life? While we were God's enemies, love came to town. You see, it's when we are actively, in whatever expression it is, in rejection of him, he brings us love. See, Jen didn't hate me uh, uh, before I loved her, right? It wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, uh, we were trying to figure out whether we, we start going out together and, and she hates me, I choose to love her and then she loves me. She, I don't think she ever hated me, right? It's not like, it's, it's not just that. It's more, that's true, isn't it? Please say yes. 
Sure, that's not good. <laughs> Thanks once again for helping me get. So, but you see, it's not just as simple, ah, oh, we're just ambivalent. We're in rebellion to God without Jesus. We need to let that sit with us. James actually uh, made it helpful as well in James 4 verse 4. He says, didn't hold back, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That is two options, friend with, friend with God or an enemy and a friend with the world. You can't have both. You can't sit on the fence. You can say, oh, no, no, I love the world. The world's fantastic. I'm friends here. And you know what? I like God too. I don't like any of his ways. I want to reject his views on relationships. I want to reject that Jesus died for me. But I like God. He's my friend. No, you're an enemy of God when you take that approach. That's how God sees it. So there we have how we are and God's loving us in that place. But how deep does the love go? How deep does it go? Well, that's the third point. It's sacrificial, other person-centered love. His love for us is other person-centered and it's sacrificial. If you're going to be about other people, as God is to us, you think about the idea of being as having sacrifice in your relationships being a servant the son of men came to serve not to be served what I love about one John is he says the same thing over and over again he says the same thing about love over and over again and he talks about uh, how we know what love is twice um, in chapter 3 and in chapter 4 chapter 3 verse 16 this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then in John, uh, 1 John 4, I didn't change the verse, but it's 1 John 4 verses 9 to 10. This is how God showed his love among us. Exactly what he said in chapter 3. This is how God showed his, his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and send his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the heart. This is the beating drum of the Christian community. This is the beating drum of Trinity Grove right here and how God relates us and brings this rabble of a people together. It's through this. Where God demonstrates his love by being about us where the Father sends the Son and the Son willingly goes. He does it in Himself and the Son goes into the world. That's what we remember at Christmas. What are we remembering? God being all about us. God with us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. He laid down His life. Other person-centered love is built on sacrifice. And we see that in life. You see that in relationships all the time, little snippets of moments. Like in Romans, it says sometimes you die um, for a righteous man. And we, we see that sometimes. But in the, that movie, one, I think that's what we see. There are some amazing stories of sacrifice at war. I like reading um, 
uh, war stories sometimes in a, uh, one of my favorite books, Kokoda. Just the, the, the way that it talks about how people give up their life for the sake of something beyond themselves. And it's so futile, the futility of war. And there's this glimpse of what real sacrifice is about. And it's the ultimate sacrifice. Life is snuffed out. The God of the universe put himself on a cross where you belong, where your enemy, you being an enemy of his, means that's what you deserve. But the one who you've offended takes what you deserve. That's what an atoning sacrifice for sins is saying. This uh, taking of his blood instead of ours for our rejection of him, our sins, our turning away from him. It's substitution. The great other person-centered love of God is all about what he does and that what he does is to take your place. Your condemnation, he takes on himself. He became sin for us. And I want you today to consider that if that's not what you hold on to. I want you today to remind yourself and foster that if that's what you love. So can we see how amazing the relationship we have with God is and how it starts with Him? It can't be any other way. It's completely and utterly other person-centered. He does this for us. Why? His love. Not based on our performance. So how are we going to relate to him? That's Jesus. What about you? He talks Jesus and me. What, 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 how, how does this relate to you? See, it could be all in. I think that's what it needs to be. Or it's, I'm going to reject that. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's right. I don't think it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't do what you say. I'm ambivalent to it. It's nice, but I'm not that committed to it. What it can't be is a distant relative, which you know and you're fond of, but you spend very little time of in your life because you're distant and you're far away and you've got different lives and worlds. I've, I've had a good week because my, my parents are here, which is great. And, you know, my relationship with them means that I, ha- I relate to them. Now, when dad rings the phone, I, oh, actually, that's not a really good example because I often don't answer the phone, but I should answer it and I should talk. I should talk to them when they, when they come. It really wouldn't be a good relationship if they're here and that's nice, but I don't, I just don't engage with them or talk with them at all that we never find out what's going on in our lives, that they don't help me, that I don't, I don't uh, spend time with them, that they don't spend time with their grandkids. That would not be what... We're still father and son, mother, uh, uh, mother and son, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the way the relationship should be. It wouldn't be all in if there was no relating. Are we like a distant relation or a broken relationship when it comes to God or are we all in? If Jesus went to the cross 
if that happened, the God of the universe came into the world, can we really say we're just going to dabble our toes in the water? Maybe just splash around for a bit, but then get back out? Or do we need to fully submerge ourselves in a relationship with him? I think it becomes glaringly obvious. How are we going to relate to him? I want to finish by highlighting that with just three little things. It starts with trust. It starts quite simply by realizing that he did do that for me. That I am naturally an enemy of his without Jesus. And that his death did take my place. And so I trust in him to save me. And the rest of my life is trying to live a life of dependence upon him. Not to earn his favor. The favor has been given by him. But because I want to express what he's done for me. Can you say in your life, your life is full of seeking to trust God when you don't know what's going on? Or do you like to take back some of the control? It's hard, isn't it? A life relying on him because of his other person's sacrificial love. If you're here today and you've been coming to Grove for a while, but you know that actually I've been more dabbling my toes in the water, but I'm not all in. I don't know that I've really committed my life to Jesus. Today's the day where you see what he's done and you go, I'm all in. I do reject him. I need to trust him. I'm a follower of Jesus. You could do that today. I'd love to encourage you, help you to figure out that more and more because that is what God wants for you and the relationship. He doesn't want your relationship to be with him an enemy because that's what it'll be otherwise. The second thing is, this is kind of super obvious, but I think it's what the church has lost. You participate in the relationship. By that I mean a relationship requires, what does it require? If you've got two people and you just stand there, it's not really a relationship, what does it require for two people to do something? What is it? Sorry? Communication. You actually need to communicate. Now, Jesus isn't going to rock up and stand here. That's unlikely. But we don't need him to. We've got something extraordinary. We have God's word where he has revealed his whole plan for us in, in our relationship with him, his plan for where we head into the future, his character and what we're to be like. And we're supposed to be people that are devoted to it, that love it, not just go, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'll read it on Sundays, but I'll put it aside. We are to be devoted to his word. It is where God speaks to us, communicates to us clearly what his plans are and we should embrace it more and more and more and I reckon even in my um, 15 or so years in ministry I've seen a decline in our commitment and passion and devotion to real study of the Bible and the flip side of that is we get to talk to him we get to pray to him he wants to hear from us not one word that you speak to him, he doesn't hear. He's the sovereign God of the universe. He hears everything. And he wants you to pour out your soul and heart to him. Have a look at the Psalms and see how they pour out their soul to God and where to do that as his children. 
That is how passionate we are to be about God's word. It is to be something that we love deeply and dearly. Back in October, we talked about our plans for 2018. And one of our two focuses is on reading the Bible. Uh, Our our plans for 2018, they're on the back there if you've never grabbed one. Uh, Our our plans and visions for for 2018. And we're going to read the Bible and I want to... Um, I'm going to do it and I'd love people to come along with me as we do all sorts of things in trying to uh, just immerse ourselves in God's word to love it. We're going to read the Bible together in a year. We're going to, up on the screen, um, we're going to read the Bible, um, the whole Bible in a year. Those of you who want to get on board and sign up with it, we're going to do uh, uh, constantly immerse ourselves in his word. Uh, there's a fantastic uh, way that we're going to do it um, that I've used a bit this year um, and uh, with, a, with an app on the phone, but there's also, they also got, you know, the traditional old school way for those of you who've read where it's all laid out in, in paper and you can and, and tick it off and think it through and there's things to reflect on, helpful ways to read through it. And if you've never even tried to read the Bible, all of it, and you love Jesus, that's what we're going to have a crack at. We're, gonna, we're not going to start in January because <laughs> how are we going to pull that off um, when we're all not here? We're going to start at the beginning in February and we're going to do that together and I'd love you to get on board because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on board. I'd love you to keep uh, me accountable as we, we just immerse ourselves in God's Word. I love uh, what they're saying on that uh, readscripture.org website. Um, there's this little video promoing, how, uh, promoing it and um, Francis Chan a well-known preacher in America, he's just trying to stir people up to doing it and I just love the way he kind of said, God's people are des- should be desperate to hear from God and immerse themselves in the world. What if thousands of people started their days alone with God reading scripture and responding with adoration and action? It would change things. And if we're going to continue to want to serve and be faithful to God, I, I couldn't think of Uh, anything better for us to focus on next year and part of that will be to spend time in reflection and meditation and prayer and asking God by his spirit to transform us to be like Jesus. I want to encourage you to participate in your relationship with Jesus in whatever way it looks like as we do this together but we want to love our Lord and that is the final point as we wrap up. We relate to him with how he relates to us, with love. If you go and read chapter 4 of 1 John and 7 to 21, you'll see at every moment he says, this is what love's like and this is what God has done. So love your brother and sister. So love one another. The response of God's love to us is that how can I not be a loving person? That the people in this room, you love. And we love God. We don't take, 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 take and not express our adoration, our thanks and love back to him and bring him all glory and honour. We exist for his glory. And so we give him our love and we seek to love others and we never leave that behind. Brothers and sisters, we have a fantastic God. The relationship that matters, the most important relationship that matters, we have it all provided for us by him, our salvation he has given us, his revelation of himself he has given us, his love he has lavished on us. How are you going to respond to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
thank you. Thank you for your other person-centered sacrificial love that gives us life, that gives us relationship with you into all eternity. Help us to be a people of love who love you deeply and intimately and seek to love one another. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen.